Cameron James Wilson is the creator of the world's first digital supermodel, and he's the founder and CEO of the world's first all-digital modeling agency, The Digitals. From collaborating with thousands of real-life models to create movement and originality in his designs, to bringing new characters and campaigns to life with cutting-edge 3D modeling, Cameron is making a constant impact through technology in the luxury industry. Hello and welcome to Tech Powered Luxury, your weekly podcast dedicated to the intersection of the luxury and technology industries. The goal of each of these episodes is to bring international and actionable insights to people passionate about the luxury and tech industries. Cameron, I am so happy to have you here to kick off season two of Tech Powered Luxury. It has been a journey and I would say the beginning of my journey kind of started when we met in Ukraine back in 2019. It seems like a lifetime ago and so much has changed since that moment that actually Vogue Ukraine brought us together. But to start today's episode, I wanted to ask you, who are you and what led you to where you are today? I'm Cameron James Wilson. I was formerly a fashion photographer, but now I'm working in 3D and I have been for the past six years now. Um, And I created the world's first virtual supermodel, Shudu, and also started the world's first uh, agency for digital models. Wow, what a statement. World's first virtual supermodel. (laughs) I'm going to have to ask you to explain that one. I know all about Shudu, but I think some people listening today are going to be discovering this world for the first time. So maybe you could give us a little introduction to who she is and how she was created. So Shudu is is really my baby. She's, uh, you know, been with me for the past six years and we've been on such an incredible journey together. But to explain kind of what Shudu is, she is actually a 3D model. Um, so we use a 3D program to to kind of create her and pose her. Um, she's not real. She was created about six years ago when I first started learning how to use 3D programs. So I was transitioning from being a photographer to working in the 3D space, um, working with CGI and, and all of that stuff, uh, when I decided that I wanted to change careers because I felt that Photography was really an industry in decline. Um, I felt that, you know, when it came to where my career had started to where where it had kind of ended up, you know, I was incredibly lucky to, to be where I was, but I had seen so much uh, change just in that very, very short period, you know, a lot of budget cuts. Um, and when it came to print media, you know, so many cutbacks, you know, a lot of my clients uh, you know, magazines literally being stopped and 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 kind of no longer running. So I knew that I had to find something else to do with my time, some way else to make money. Uh, so I was really inspired by sci-fi movies and and you know gaming, and thought I really want to give something in three D a go. I had no idea. Uh, where it would lead, and I had no idea if I was going to be any good at it. But within three or four months of starting, I had created Chudu and she had gone viral, um, which gave me the biggest sign that, you know, this was something that I had to keep doing. This was this was something that I was on the right path. Incredible. I actually remember discovering Shudu online and reading about her. This was before I met you. And that viral moment was linked to Fenty. So Rihanna mm-hmm. and a specific shade of her lipstick that was worn by Shudu. 
and it was posted on Instagram. A really striking image. Actually, I, I have it in my mind right now. And mm-hmm. anyone who's listening should look up Shudu, Shudugram <laughs> on Instagram mm-hmm. and look for that image because it, for me, is one of the most, I guess, uh, emblematic images of the modern fashion industry and the modern beauty industry mm-hmm. today. And the fact that Shudu is a model that you created through technology is, it's actually mind blowing. So maybe you could talk us through that process of how you actually went from having the idea of moving from photography into this digital space inspired by gaming and CGI to creating mm-hmm. this model and then going viral and getting recognized by mm-hmm. the team behind Rihanna's uh, beauty brand Fenty. So my initial idea when I was started to work in 3D was to work with 3D fashion. So there are multiple programs out there which allow you to design 3D garments, you know, different dresses and things like that. And they actually simulate the cloth and drape the cloth in in 3D um, as it would be in real life. And that was something that I was super interested in. And and then it came to designing who I wanted to wear those, those outfits. And something just kind of really took with me. I think it was my, you know, previous experience in photography. But when I started to design the models that were going to be wearing my 3D garments, they just came to life so easily. You know, I started to build these characters and started to get really obsessed with the details, you know, making sure that they looked really, really realistic and finally expressing my own views of beauty. You know, I could create anyone, you know, anyone and and I, I could I could decide exactly how I wanted them to look. So for the first time, I could really, really express how I saw beauty. And when it came to creating Shudu, you know, she's a dark-skinned black woman. Um, and I just really, really connected with her and wanted to create this incredible image that just showcased how beautiful, you know, her her deep, dark complexion is, her features, um, just something that I felt that we don't see enough when it comes to art, when it comes to media. And really, I created it for myself. You know, this wasn't anything that I ever expected to go viral. So this was an image that I was creating for me, you know, from a place of real appreciation and love. Um, and then when I posted that image and it went viral and people saw it and kept sharing it and commenting about it, just was absolutely incredible. So I kept creating these beautiful images of Shudu. And one of the images that I created was the uh, now iconic uh, <laughs> Fenty image where sh- where Shudu was wearing this really vibrant orange lipstick that Fenty Beauty actually reposted. Um, and that kind of almost snowballed from there because after Fenty reshared it, it, it sparked this conversation about is Shudu real? Is she not real? You know, is she 3D? And I think a lot of people discovered from that image that actually she wasn't real and virtual models exist and, you know, this is how far we've come with technology. Um, And it kind of had this really magic moment for a lot of people where they realized, you know, that we could actually do this, you know, that we could actually create fashion images that looked almost indistinguishable from real photography. Can you tell me about the moment that you found out Fenty had reposted your image? So the initial idea for for getting Fenty to repost the image actually came from my sister. She suggested the shade, she suggested the brand. And, you know, of course, Fenty aligns with my ideals as well when it comes to representation and diversity. So I thought, what a great fit, you know, to put Shudu in their makeup. 
I didn't think that it was ever going to be reposted, but my sister was like, no, you need to tag this person, you need to tag that person, you need to tag this. Um, and I did. I followed all of her advice. And yeah, I woke up one morning and, and saw that they had reposted it and running around the house and my sister's really excited. And, you know, it was just a really, really huge moment yeah. because I had never experienced anything like that before. And it got... um quarter of a million likes before it was deleted. <laughs> um, <laughs> when they found out that that shooting wasn't real, I guess they they thought maybe that was a little bit too controversial. But um, it, it was nice to know that it was once on Fenty's page, um, even if it isn't anymore. And that is something that it comes up quite often when you're talking about 3D models, avatars, and the blurred lines between what is real and what is virtual. Can you talk to me a little bit about that controversy and how you progress through it and how you keep going and how you answer to people who ask, why are you doing this? And why not just let real models take center stage? Technology is always going to be controversial. You know, a lot of people are scared when we talk about technology and and have a lot of fear when we talk about the future, you know, and where, where this is all leading to. Because, you know, sometimes the, these things can be quite scary. You know, the thought of people losing their jobs and livelihoods to, you know, AI machines, 3D models, things like that. It's all um, a legitimate fear as well. You know, this is something that we should be concerned about. Um, and I think that there are ways that we can use this technology ethically. And that's something that I've really had to learn about in the past, you know, five, six years is, is how do we approach this from, you know, an ethical stance? And how do we make sure that this technology is being used for the right reasons, you know, and how do we navigate, you know, incredibly important topics like race and representation in 3D, you know, when I created Shudu, I didn't know that she was going to be really famous. I didn't know that she was going to go viral. But obviously, you know, I am a, a white guy and I created a, a black model. And that stirred up a lot of conversations about race and representation and whether or not I should have created Shudu, you know, ha had I known where she was going to go to, you know. So how do how did I turn Shudu into something that was positive, you know, and that took a lot of thought and, you know, a lot of listening. It was quite difficult at times because obviously the conversations felt quite personal. Learning how to onboard criticism without necessarily feeling attacked, you know, was very, very, very difficult. It, it just took a few years uh, to kind of come up with this idea that Shudu is almost a community. She's a platform and she's bringing awareness and raising awareness of certain things um, and giving a platform to certain women. And that was how we kind of worked to make sure that Shudu wasn't taking anything away from the community that she represents. And you really, really have to be prepared to involve the community that you want to re represent as much as possible in that process, which means compensating those people, crediting those people, and making sure that they have a platform and gain exposure from the work you do together. Um, and that's something that I really, really take to my clients as well. You know, they have to be aware of that and they have to be on board with that as well. So just making sure that, you know, this is this is a force for good and not, not necessarily taking away. And that's a personal stance. Not everyone practices that. There are 3D models out there and um, 3D artists out there that, that are using this in a way that I would say would be concerning. So well answered. And I know that you come from 
a place of wanting to have more representation. You want to have more diversity. You want to have more inclusion. That has been your mission since day one, actually. And when you were in photography, you told me about this before. You didn't see enough of that. And you had clients pushing back when you wanted to bring models from different minorities into your shoots. So I know that you did this for a place of you know, a very open heart and wanting to do something good. And it, I imagine it's been really, really challenging being able to create something incredible and then sometimes taking that criticism and trying to figure out, okay, well, how can I really use this for something good? Yeah. And I know that you actually have real models, so real life models that you will work with and bring into the studio, especially for everything to do with movement, because you've also moved into video now. It's not just visuals. So could you tell me a little bit about that and what that process is like? So part of the way that we felt that Shudu could be a positive force um, was that we felt that we needed to include real models in different processes. So when it comes to anything paid or advertising with Shudu, we really try to work with real um, models, real black models with Shudu um, as much as possible. Um, And this has actually been really, really amazing for those models. They've really enjoyed it. It's it's a totally different skill. Um, It's something new it's it's you know really at the forefront of technology and fashion so it's been a really amazing journey just with that part Um, but then also moving into animation you actually need to work with um, motion capture actresses Um, so actually working with those women to capture movements as shudu and kind of learning new skills in that way you know because that's also a uh, a totally different skill set as well. So we worked with um, a model called Janice Drummond in Canada when we were creating an experience for the BAFTAs, you know, and she had to learn how to do all of the kind of motion capture work and wearing the suit with the little balls on and everything. Um, so it was really, really different for her. And and actually learning that skill, uh, I think, will be become much more of a necessity in the future, you know, having this kind of wider skill set as a model. Um, So it's really, really amazing to see that 3D doesn't necessarily have to take, you know, it can also um, give more opportunities to people and and actually include more people to to create something than than necessarily just creating it in reality. So today, well, at least the beginning of your process was building models to represent communities that maybe are not so much represented in in the real world and then working with models from those minorities to bring them to life. Have you seen the opposite happen where you have models in real life that want to have a digital version of themselves created? And do you think that's a trend that we're going to see more of in the future? I definitely get approached by real models to make 3D versions of them. And I've I've actually seen uh, models, you know, be made into 3D by other people. And I think it's absolutely incredible. And I think it's very, very forward thinking. However, these 3D models do take a lot of looking after. You know, they do take a lot of, of work and maintenance to make sure that they're uh, being utilized enough to really justify the cost of, of turning yourself into 3D. Um, I think 
when it comes to real people making 3D versions of themselves, there has to be a real reason for it. You know, there has there has to be like a, a, a very clear use for that 3D version. Um, I think it works really well in the case of actors because, you know, that 3D version can be used in games. It can be used as younger version of, versions of themselves. You know, it can uh, go into all these different places. Um, so it, it works in some cases. And also, I think it's a long-term thing as well. You know, if you're making a 3D double of yourself, it might not be useful right away, but 20 years down the line, <laughs> when you mm -hmm. no longer want a model or, you know, you feel like you're, you're a little bit too old or whatever, you can then bring your 3D model back who is, you know, going to look like the you you were back then and <laughs> they can continue to work and uh, and do things as well. So it's it's really interesting to see when individuals make their own persona what changes they make to themselves as well so i've seen models who have created 3d versions of themselves but they're not exactly like them you know they've made certain changes um, they might not even look that similar to the 3d version of themselves because this is a persona and this is a chance to really make something that reflects you as you want to be seen. So it's a really, really interesting space when it comes to identity and how people want want that identity to be perceived. That actually leads me straight into the next topic I wanted to talk to you about, which is everything to do with the metaverse. And it's one thing that I've heard over and over again is why just create a replica of yourself within the metaverse when you can be anything. You can be a unicorn at breakfast, you can be you know, your favorite animal around lunchtime. You can wear all of the couture gowns that you could maybe never wear in real life otherwise. And in the evening, you can go to a gala dressed as a cloud. Like there are no limits, right? <laughs> um, and people often laugh and they look at the example of Mark Zuckerberg when he really created the exact same version of himself with the same t-shirt that he always wears in his metaverse world. So how do you see what you're doing today translating into metaverse but also gaming and is it where you expected your work to live when you started out doing this so i think my focus really is on creating unique and kind of compelling characters and and really i focus on the visuals so i don't really include a lot, a lot of narrative when it comes to my characters you they're basically just a, a series of images and people interpret them and come up with their personality and and a lot of their story just just through looking at the images visually whereas some people tend to take their characters and and they actually work very hard on the narrative and storytelling side of things um, and I think when it comes to moving in the into the metaverse you know I would still love to be creating characters for the metaverse and you know different different personalities it'll be interesting to see how that develops, you know, how these things develop in the metaverse. And I think there's a lot of very, very interesting topics that I think that I'm kind of looking forward to seeing how, how they're addressed, you know, things like race and representation, you know, how will people gatekeep culture when it comes to virtual avatars? You know, what if there are white people making black characters with, with, with braids, with, you know, with dreads and things like that, you know, how are we going to kind of address these kind of issues as they come up? And I think that's really, really interesting. Um, because as identity becomes much, much more fluid, you know, will some of the conversations and, and history and, you know, ethics keep up with that? You know, how will how will we be able to kind of keep up with this really, really 
fast-changing world of identity. Um, and I, I think that's really, really interesting. And I, I think we're gonna, really going to see the breakdown of uh, so many constructs when it comes to identity. You know, we're so used to boxes. You know, we're so used to, you know, one person being one thing. You know, you're a woman, you're a man. You know, you might be gay or trans or black, you know, and always being that one thing. Um, however, when it comes to the metaverse, we're going to see people who might be, you know, might want to represent as as a woman one day, as a man the next, or, you know, people might find that their race is more fluid, you know, that their their gender or sexuality, you know. So we're really going to see, see everything just become so, so much more fluid when it comes to identity. And I, I'm really, really excited about that because I feel that my my kind of identity is slightly more fluid, you know, and I'm looking forward to being able to represent myself in a way that feels more genuine to how I feel as well. So, yeah, just really, really exciting. I think there's so many different ethical conversations when it comes to the visuals of what we'll see in, 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 in the metaverse. But if it's anything like what I've seen from other um, kind of mass multiplayer kind of online games... I think we'll see a lot in the way of kind of um, groups of people forming. So I actually used to play a game called Second Life. And You're it's one kind of the originals. Like, <laughs> yeah, it, it's kind of like the first metaverse, yeah. like where you could where you could build a house and, and build a shop and modify the way you look however you wanted. Um, but the interesting thing of what you would see there is, is actually the avatars kind of separated out into groups and you would find kind of groups of individuals so one individual might really be going for like that instagram aesthetic of you know uh insta baddie kind of look really curvy bodies long nails like you know extreme makeup looks and then you might come across a group of people who all look like um furries you know they all look like animals (laughs) Um, and then a group of very, very small people, you know, who look more like pixies or something like that, you know. So you get this kind of um, kind of strange kind of grouping of people and they kind of divert off into these into these kind of niche groups. Um, so I'm excited to see what kind of groups might form mm. in the metaverse as well. Cameron, you mentioned ethics a few times. And that is one of the biggest topics right now and everything to do with artificial intelligence in particular. We had a brief chat about it already. Chat GPT, it is, I think, <laughs> the technology of the moment because it's so easily adoptable by anyone on the planet right now. If you have access to the internet, you can ask it something. And again, ethics are going to play a huge role in how this is rolled out and how it's actually leveraged, not just uh, for personal use, but also in the world of creatives and businesses and whatnot. How have you been using this technology so far? And is it something that you've incorporated into your own creative process? So at the moment, I'm extremely addicted to both ChatGPT and MidJourney. And I seem to just be like plugging something in like every 10 minutes, you know, <laughs> just, just if I have an idea, just kind of putting it in yeah. and seeing what comes out, especially when it comes to um, MidJourney, because it takes a little while to kind of generate results and you might need to generate them a few times. So over the past few days, literally just been going back to MidJourney and tapping new things in and just seeing kind of what comes out. And to be honest, I've never been more inspired. You know, I've never felt more capable of of kind of creating what what I see in my head. You know, my I feel like 
I can really execute my vision much, much more clearly now than I've ever been able to before and much quicker. So it's able to iterate much more quickly. So I can go through ideas, you know, extremely fast and get to where I want to be much quicker than what I ever could before. So for me, it's really, really exciting. And, and I I think, you know, I know there are a lot of worries about where the imagery is sourced from and whether or not it's it's copying anyone and and. I, for me, that is a, it is important, but I, I think it shouldn't stop us from experimenting with this space and and really, really kind of diving into it and kind of looking at where this technology is going. I think for me, I've always had an issue where people have always ripped me off. <laughs> people have always ripped my photography off. They've, you know, they've they've ripped off a lot of the stuff that I've done on 3D. So when it comes to mm. copying other people, you know, I feel like nobody is better than that than another artist. So <laughs> for me, the <laughs> the morals are a little bit skewed. But um, I think we do have to be worried about moving from being creators yeah. to inputters, you know, to kind yeah. of There's just a fine inputting line. things. And I think that we need to be careful that we don't get so excited by these beautiful visuals that we're creating and generating that that we don't, you know, lose something. Mm -hmm. Because what I've noticed is while I'm generating these images, I'm thinking, wow, this is amazing. Look at all these beautiful images. But when I actually look at what I've spent a whole evening done, I'm like, okay, well, what are these going to be used for? You know, what mm -hmm. what is the purpose? And actually what I have is a lot of beautiful nothing. Really, all all I am is, is just kind of a, a kind of data miner just sat there kind of just <laughs> tapping away at a computer a bit like a thousand monkeys you know and a thousand typewriters just sat there yeah. tapping 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 away and actually not really creating anything at all you know it's it's just generated so i think we need to be wary about how we're using this technology and making sure that that we're using it with a very specific purpose mm -hmm. because it's so easy to just get lost in the generation and oh wow look this is so beautiful but really what you know what is it um and and that's something that i've kind of had to realize you know recently um is to you know just learn how to focus learn how to to really know what i'm actually doing this for purpose is actually why you created all of your models so this is almost the opposite mm -hmm. it's mm -hmm. it's super quick and that's addictive because it's like wow look what i've created this was so fast compared to the usual processes mm -hmm. that you have which can take thousands of hours to create a virtual model so mm. i'm sure there's a lot of excitement there around it as well because of the speed exactly so it can become almost like addictive you know just like you're scrolling through instagram and you you see something really interesting or or you know a beautiful image and you get that kind of reward that dopamine hit the same thing is happening when it comes to mid journey when you find a great prompt you know, when you start to see images generating that look really beautiful, you know, you might feel really inspired by that. But it, does it lead to anything? You know, is it is it really fulfilling any kind of necessary, you know, need? Um, no. And, and you know, that, that can be worrying if we're just kind of end up, ending up just sat there tap, tap, tapping away, you know. So I think these these tools can be incredibly useful, you know, for the right for the right reasons. Cameron, a question that I like to ask everybody that comes on is about their education. And I mm -hmm. think you're probably the person that has re-educated and upskilled themselves more than anyone else, even everything that you've just spoken about in the last couple of minutes. But I'd love to know, how did it start for you? What did you first go to school to learn and how did that evolve and how do you keep learning and teaching yourself with all these new technologies? 
So at school, I was really academic and um, I was really focused on science. So from the age of 12, um, I had already like had my work placement sorted for when I was like 16, 17. Okay, you're one of those students. (laughs) Yeah, I already knew what university I was going to go to and and then I went and did my work placement, which was actually in um, a, in a laboratory with uh, fish, sea life, and things like that. And I had one of the worst experiences of my life. Oh yeah, no! I, yeah, I at twelve, dream shattered. <laughs> dream was shattered. So I, yeah, I went there. Um, realized you had to do a lot of animal testing when it comes to these labs and things like that. Um, the the ethics of it were horrible. You know, the things that they were doing were awful. Um, I was like, I can't do this. this is, you had like this. a legally blonde moment. <laughs> yeah. <Blister's> bill. <laughs> I was like, I cannot do this. This is not not why I wanted to do science. You know, I wanted to yeah. do. Uh, I wanted to work with marine biology to help the world, not do things that I felt more were morally questionable. So I really had a dilemma at that point. You know, I I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life, and I was I was sixteen. I was just about to leave school, um, and I had no idea. And then my fashion textiles teacher came to me and she said, you know, Cameron, you're you're really, really good at fashion. You know, you're you're one of the best students. You should go to art school. You know, you should do fashion. And I was like, really? And and she was like, why do you even want to do science? Is it something that you want to do? You yeah. know, and I and I thought, mm, not particularly, you know. So with literal months to go to the end of school, I applied to um, the Arts University in Bournemouth um, for one of their uh, undergraduate programs and went and did a two-year course there, um, which really, really changed my life and kind of made me realize, you know, that I really wanted to go down this path of fashion. Um, however, I was probably one of the worst students. <laughs> <laughs> what happened? Would- what changed? I was never on time. I <laughs> I I didn't really enjoy the course. I I don't know. Like I I feel like maybe I was I was a bit too creative and a bit too kind of you know uh, independent to to really continue on with education. So my my tutors basically said to me, "Do not go to university. You 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 need to go out on your own and do your own thing." So at um, 18, I got a job and I actually went out on my own and started doing um, photography of my own. So I was uh, self-employed from 19 and that was it. <laughs> wow, that was, you took a leap of faith, but obviously in, in the right direction and you had the courage to say, science not for me and that's okay. Exactly. And it seems like you're exactly where you were meant to be. <laughs> exactly. And I, to be honest, like I still... I'm glad that I have that foundation in kind of academia and with science because it allows me to really be interested still in technology and to have a basic understanding of it. You know, I'm not the best person when it comes to learning about technology and all of that, but I can keep up with it and I can kind of understand it and I know how to utilize it for me and my work. And that's really what matters. When it comes to staying on top of trends today and the speed at which technology is evolving. How do you stay on top of it? I I just kind of look at LinkedIn (laughs) a lot. (laughs) Okay, you're like Um, us mere mortals. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, I I just I I keep track of LinkedIn a little bit, although I find it quite depressing sometimes because I see people doing so much cool stuff and I'm just like, oh, you know, I um I get that feeling, you know, how people must look when they look at Instagram and they see all these people doing fabulous holidays. When I go on LinkedIn, I see people doing all these amazing projects and I get that kind of FOMO. I get that as um, well. Instagram does <laughs> give me that, but LinkedIn, absolutely. And that's one yeah. of the reasons why I started the podcast because I was like, well, at least I can ask them about how they did it. <laughs> exactly. So, so yeah, so I, I, I looked at LinkedIn and, and just kind of talked to people. You know, I talked to a lot of people who are much more interested in technology than I am and much more interested in certain topics. You know, I have friends that are really into crypto and NFTs and I'll have a chat with them. And I have friends that are really into the metaverse and I'll, I'll chat to them, you know, because really for for me, I, I am interested in technology, but I'm more interested in how it will benefit me and what I can do with it. You know, I'm not necessarily interested in, in kind of getting r- really into the fine details of how it works or mm-hmm. or anything like that. You know, I, I really just want to know, is it going to improve the way that I work? Is it going to speed up my processes? And, and will it help me make more beautiful images because <laughs> that's really what I care about at the end of the day. Is it, am I going to be able to create yeah. something more beautiful than what I can currently create? And, you know, with the help of Midjourney, you know, that's definitely the case. So we've heard a lot about Shudu, your first, well, your first model and also the first ever virtual supermodel. What a statement. <laughs> um, but you actually have a whole agency, the digital. So could you tell us a little bit about what that is, who was involved in it and what the process is for you bringing new models on board? The digitals I started back, um, I think it was about 2017 or, uh, yeah, 2017. And it was kind of almost started, not on a whim, but it was kind of started really just because I thought it was something super cool. Like the idea of of a modeling agency that only represents digital models, I thought was just really groundbreaking and really cool. And I could almost see somebody else coming up with that idea before I did. So I had to be like the first person to do it. Um, so one day, me and my best friend, we just sat up and and he started to create the website, started to do the layout, and I started to generate the images. And, and in 24 hours, we we pushed out the website for the digitals and launched it. Um, and I just felt that it had to be that quick. You know, I really felt like things were shifting at that time so fast. Um, so we launched the digitals and I didn't really know where it was going in the beginning. You know, I just, I thought it was a really cool idea. Mm-hmm. Um, but very, very quickly, we started to pick up luxury clients and found that that a lot of these clients needed um, guidance within, you know, 3D fashion. And, and at the time, there was no real metaverse talk. It was mostly just about 3D fashion. But they needed a lot of guidance and kind of a lot of help when it came to being involved with 3D and 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 virtual models. That's when we realized, you know, that this this agency was actually the first of its kind, you know, helping people kind of engage with with this new world, with this new tech, um, and also creating these characters for brands. So we've created several characters for different brands now. Um and yeah, just just it became so much more serious than than what I thought it would, um, and just just strangely, like the the way that it appeals to to luxury fashion, you know, so many of the brands that reach out are, are incredibly established, you know, and I'm always surprised by that. Um, and it's it's amazing when you get that kind of email that comes through, and it's from a brand that you've 
known all your life and recognized wow. all your life. And you're like, wow, they're, they're reaching out to us for, yeah. for help and guidance and, and advice and uh, to work on their next campaign. And it's, it's always incredibly exciting. So just just so that people know what we do, we, we not only represent models that we've created, uh, we have uh, seven or eight different models that we've created. We also create models for other brands. And we also can create digital campaigns like 3D fashion campaigns and things like that. So it's it's about managing our own talent, but also creating new talent as well. What was the most challenging campaign that you've worked on so far? Challenging? Um, one of the longest campaigns that, that we worked on, you know, there, there's, there's campaigns that are challenging in terms of, you know, they require a lot of time and a lot of commitment. But one of the most challenging uh, was working with Magnum to create a virtual influencer called Awa, who was inspired by the cacao farmers uh, working in uh, the Ivory Coast. And that was challenging, one, because we started the project actually before COVID, um, and it, it lasted, you know, almost three years, two and a half years, the project was, we had to really kind of figure out a way to generate this character based on these on this group, large group of women. It was over 130 women. It's now always growing. Wow. And we came up with a totally new process where we would combine all of these faces and generate one singular face. So we we kind of loaded all of the images into a program that combined it into just kind of one face. And then we based the 3D character that we created on mm. that image that, that it gave us. And it was an incredible process that meant that all of those women had a part in that creation. You know, even if it was subtle, they all had helped form that singular face. Um, and she then, that 3D character could then represent those women equally in some way. Um, and I felt that that was really, really incredible. And it was challenging as well because it's, you know, you're learning about these women, about their life, you know, about how this could really have such an incredible and positive impact on them. Because part of the project is all about educating them and giving them different ways to uh, generate income. You know, they they designed these fashion pieces and it was really, really a beautiful project from start to finish. And it was disappointing in some ways because obviously with um, COVID, we couldn't travel to meet them. We'd planned to travel to meet them. And when you saw the outcome and, you know, the kind of love and passion that we everyone put into the project, it was just really, really, really beautiful. It's one of my favorite projects that we've ever worked on. Wow, I really hope that you can go and meet all of these women. I think that's a reunion that needs to happen. Yeah, one day, I really hope, one day. I mean, the the project's still on, ongoing. It's actually rolled out to, um, I think it's a few thousand now. And I think even in a couple of years, I think it might get up to about 5,000 women will be involved in this project. So it's going to be a, a really big and amazing group eventually. That's incredible. I hope you're very proud of that one and that you've celebrated as well how many people you've managed to get involved. And like you said, it's no longer just about having these virtual models that are created on a computer, but it's bringing real people in and making sure that these communities are also benefiting and mm -hmm. giving you the feedback as well that you need to continue developing. <laughs> so if I could ask you how you think that this is all going to move forward in terms of fashion, what do you think will be the biggest technological shift that's going to impact the industry in the next months and years? 
I think obviously AI is 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 going to continue to have an impact for years to come. I think this is something that is really going to change the way that everything works. You know, this is um, only the beginning of of the possibilities. You know, we'd fashion had only just started to kind of uh, adopt three D. Um, even just a few years ago, you know, it's very early days for 3D within fashion. Um, but now that AI has come along, I think it will really, really help kind of push forward, you know, the adoption of 3D, of AI, of kind of all of it. You know, fashion is very, very reluctant when it comes to keeping up with technology. It likes to utilize fashion in order to innovate. Um, I mean, it, fashion likes to utilize technology in order to innovate, but it doesn't necessarily want to change everything altogether. You know, it, mm-hmm. it's kind of uh, quite reluctant to to change the actual way that things are kind of done. Um, and I think we're actually going to see that shift really, really happen now. I think it's a necessity um, in order to keep up with everything. And I think the technology that comes off of AI is only going to speed things up. You know, when it comes to AI-powered design, um, I think you're going to see design kind of iterations happen so incredibly fast that any brand that isn't on board with AI and 3D, I think they're just going to fall behind so incredibly quickly. So I think... I think there's so many innovations that are, that are coming that are on the way. I think everything's moving towards being more experiential, mm-hmm. um, you know, gamified experiences and all these kinds of things. Fashion really embracing gaming, you know, as as gaming has shown, it's it's only grown, um, you know, through some of the toughest years that we've had. Gaming is one of the industries that has continued to grow massively mm-hmm. and there is so so much money to be made in gaming which scares me <laughs> as much as it does you know i i think it's great that fashion wants to get involved with gaming but as a gamer myself i'm i'm kind of a bit scared of the ways that you know things will be monetized um and i think that's something that we have to be very cautious of and very wary of is you know how these fashion, how fashion and gaming can come together in meaningful ways and to create meaningful experiences, not just whacking a brand logo on some three D stuff and hoping that some you know twelve year olds are going to buy it. You know, I I think we really need to be focused on creating meaningful experiences in the future. I couldn't agree more. And there's a lot more that we can do outside of just the visual aspect. There's also the educational side of things, mm-hmm. educating about our fashion choices, about the impact of the fashion industry, even about upcycling, reusing, maybe removing the taboos of buying, you know, pre-loved items. I think there's so much that we could do and it's the next generation. We need to fix what our generation and our past generations have have broken in the system. So I'm looking forward to seeing how the actual gaming community as well, mm-hmm. who hopefully, you know, maybe there's these communities within the gaming community that are also interested in fashion and they need to be the ones that lead these movements. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's not going to be authentic. And I don't think that it's going to be received <laughs> in the most positive way. If you just have these outsiders coming in and like you said, just putting logos on things, 
it's not going to have a sustainable effect. So when it comes to your own journey and what you're going to be doing next, Cameron, maybe you could give us some insights into what you have planned or what you would love to be involved in in the future. So um, I think that the future is really, really interesting and and kind of looking at, at lots of different opportunities, of course, continue to work, work with clients, you know, continuing to produce uh, beautiful imagery with them and uh, continuing to you know, work with Shudu and develop Shudu and our characters. Um, but for me, I think there's so many more possibilities out there. And I'm I'm always looking to do something else, you know, do something new and fresh. And um, I really, really feel inspired by, uh, you know, AI kind of driven design and, and looking at kind of AI to generate more ideas. And um, just over the past few days, I've been working on... Um, a whole new website that was basically created with the use of of uh, Midjourney and ChatGPT. Um, that is all about kind of brands, uh, branding, and items that don't exist physically. You know, kind of yeah, digital goods, um, some fidgetals, uh, filters, and things like that. Um, how do you know? How do we kind of generate these ideas using using Midjourney? How do we bring them to life? Um, so for me, it's it's. I think the future is a lot more kind of experimental. Um, so moving not away from fashion, but kind of moving into different areas and ex- just experimenting, because you because you never ever know where they're going to lead, um, which is really really exciting for me. And and that was the thing when I moved from photography into three D. I had to go through a stage where everyone thought I was crazy. <laughs> you know, I had to go through this stage of people looking at what I was creating and I wasn't very good at it because I, I just started to learn it, you know? Yeah. So when you start to learn something, you, you what you're creating, it, it looks like crap, you know? And they're, <laughs> they're used to seeing these incredible photographs that you take and you're there putting out some, you know, rubbish 3D work. And they're I remember it was a donut, wasn't it? Yeah, donuts. So I was creating <laughs> donuts and stuff and <laughs> towels hanging on hooks and things like that, you know? And and people are kind of like, what is this person doing? You know, <laughs> why are they doing this uh, when they can take beautiful pictures? So you have to go through that stage of everyone thinking that you've you've lost your marbles and what are you doing? And and you have to trust in the journey as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously when I started to create, you know, really, really amazing images. But everyone's like, oh, wow, you know, I knew you, I knew you would do this. Like, I knew you were going to make it. Or, you know, like, all of a sudden they, you know, everyone thinks, oh, yeah, it's amazing. So it's it's just, it's just all of that. It's just part of a journey. And, and you have to go through that process, that, that beginning process. And that's what I'm kind of, where I'm at now is kind of, starting that process again where people might think I'm crazy if they knew what if they knew what I was up to. I think this time round you're not gonna have any doubters. Um yeah. anyone who would doubt you this time, I think uh <laughs> they would be wrong to do so because it's incredible to see what you've created and you took really you took a hundred steps backwards mm. to take one step forward when you went from being a fashion photographer to creating virtual donuts. <laughs> And now look what you've created. So it's really, it's amazing to see your journey. Obviously, we met quite a few years ago. And since then, 
every time I see new projects you're working on, creating new models, new campaigns, I'm just in awe because it's so creative. It's super luxury and it's super tech. It's uh, the exact things that we love on the podcast. For people listening that maybe have been interested in this space, but haven't yet had the courage or maybe the information just to take a step in that direction, what's the one skill that you would recommend for them to start working on today? So I have, oh, I already knew that you were going to ask me this and I've already <laughs> told some people what I was, what I'm going to say. I want people to, to try and understand why I mean this um, and to kind of listen and not just eye roll. The one skill that I think everyone should really, really focus on and, and learn, at least to some extent, is makeup. And I know that that's a quite a random skill. I love this. <laughs> Okay. But it's something that is so accessible to everyone. And it's something that you can get so much from. You know, when it comes to um, your own presence and your own expression of identity, I feel that makeup is so incredibly important. Um, you're also learning a new artistic skill. So when it comes to 3D, when I'm creating a new character, I've learned so much from makeup and kind of understanding the light and shadow and shading and and you know how skin should look and how how different colors should go together that i i utilize that skill every single day so when i very very first started out one of my first jobs was working on a makeup counter for chanel um and i learned everything there you know i learned about um luxury fashion you know luxury yeah. pt i learned how to sell um, I learned about um, my presentation of myself. Um, I also learned how to get within six inches of, of a stranger's face and still make them feel comfortable. Yeah. And I think if you can really be that close to someone who you've never met before and they still feel very comfortable and relaxed in your presence, I think, you know, that's a great skill to have. So everything, so much of what what I utilize every day comes from the beauty industry. And I feel that so many people kind of think of it as, as I don't know, something that, you know, that's on TikTok or YouTube and kind of eye roll and think, oh, you know, it's just makeup, whatever. But actually, if you look at it kind of seriously and artistically, it's an incredibly valuable skill, you know, and it, to be in control of your appearance and kind of how you're perceived by people, I think is is really, really powerful. You know, when you walk into a room and and you are kind of, you know, well made up, you have great makeup, you have great grooming, hair and everything. Um, as a speaker, that's incredibly important. You know, I'm I'm on, constantly on stage, you know, I'm doing panels and discussions. I did a TED talk a couple of months ago, you know, so for me, presentation is incredibly powerful. If I want people to listen to me and if I want people to focus on what I'm saying, you know, you have to kind of almost look a certain way. So I don't want to say makeup and everybody think, oh, he wants everybody to, you know, slather loads of makeup on and, and you know, <laughs> learn how to contour <laughs> rolled up all the time. It's it's just more about kind of self-expression and learning mm -hmm. so much about, you know, artistic skill and, and things like that. I, I really hope people don't think it's like, just a frivolous thing that I <laughs> I think. Oh, no, that's super insightful. And also on top of makeup being self-expression and giving people confidence and whatnot, it's huge business. Mm -hmm. It's an mm -hmm. absolutely huge industry. So it can't be ignored 
if anything, for that reason. If anyone from Chanel is listening, I think they need to bring you back on board for a collaboration. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like it's time for you to go back and do something with the brand. I'd love to see that. A full circle moment. Absolutely. Cameron, it's been a pleasure. I have learned so much uh, in this interview with you. I feel very privileged to get to speak with you again about all that you've done and your plans. And you're just so eloquent and the way that you talk about everything you're doing, it makes it really easily understandable, even though what you're doing is it's definitely high tech, even if you don't <laughs> admit it. <laughs> it's incredible. Thank you so, so much. And for anyone who's listening, I want to check wants to check out what Cameron is doing, I would say check out the digitals, but check out Shudu as well and then go on the journey from there and <laughs> discover the whole community um, that he has built. Cameron, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Tech Powered Luxury, your weekly podcast on all things luxury and tech. If you have enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe and follow Tech Powered Luxury on Instagram, TikTok, Snap, Twitter, LinkedIn, or sign up to our weekly newsletter. Tech Powered Luxury is proud to partner with GladCloud, the platform that is powering our media campaigns through its collaborative social media marketing platform, which is perhaps how you have discovered the podcast today. We'd love to hear from you if you have any ideas, questions, or would like to join us as a guest. Thank you.